Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. So our scripture reading today comes from the book of Galatians, beginning in the sixth chapter. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up. Um, it'll also be on the screens behind me. It's six, chapter six, verse one. Hear these words. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted and bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. And then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So, let us not grow weary in doing what is right. For we will reap at harvest time. So then whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially those for the family of faith. Let us pray. God, we open our hearts to you now. I pray that your spirit would move in a mighty way among us and that we might hear not only what we want to hear in these words, but most importantly, God, that we might hear what we need to hear. So speak to us. We, your children, are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I heard a story about a man and his name was August and he lived in South Dakota and he owned a clothing store and it had come to the time in his life when it was time for him to retire. And so he got a little created, Mr. August did, and he put a sign on his uh, marquee outside and it said, the first of July is the last of August. Do you get it? All right. So... For those who did not know that Mr. August owned the store, it probably seemed like a really silly sign, like this really foolish kind of thing. But if you knew the owner, then it was really this clever way of communicating. The first of July is the last of August. And those who knew him knew what it meant, and they could come in and they could celebrate with him and maybe catch a good deal in his clothing store. You know, today is another one of Paul's letters, and it is one that was written to the various faith communities in the area of Galatia. It probably, to those who were outside of the church, may have seemed, in many respects, like foolish instruction. In fact, one of the reasons that Paul wrote the letter is because he was trying to correct some things that were being taught by people um, both within the community and just outside of it. There was a group that was instructing these churches that if they wanted to become saved by Christ, they first had to come under the Mosaic Law. 
And that meant that they would have to, if they were male, be circumcised. They would have to follow all the dietary laws. We talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago. They would have to pray in a certain way and follow certain rituals. And it was too much for the community to bear. And so they had sent word to Paul. Paul had told them that this was not the case, but they sent word that there were teachers among them that were teaching something different. And, you know, in that time, there really was this understanding that in order to be loved by God or by a God, because you know that community had a lot of gods, a lot of temples to different things, or they thought they did. Um, There's only one God, by the way. Uh, But they, they thought they did, and so they thought that they had to earn that love. And so there was, it was always about what you could do to earn that God's approval, to earn that God's love. And so Paul writes to the Galatian community, and he says, no, it's not that at all. You are saved by grace through faith. It is not something that you have earned because you couldn't earn it. You could not be good enough. And so the very fact that you are saved is a gift of grace from Jesus and it comes to you simply by believing in him. And a a lot who heard this, especially those who had spent their whole lives trying to earn God's approval, didn't understand it and thought this was a foolish message. But then Paul went on in the letter and he talked to them a little bit about when you are saved then, There is still this expectation of what comes next and how we behave as a community of faith. And this is some of what he said. He said, restore the sinner with gentleness. Avoid temptation. Don't inflate your opinion of yourself. Carry your own load. Don't grow weary in doing what is right. And especially work for the good of all. And right in the middle of all of those instructions, kind of tucked into it, there is a sentence, and it said this, if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, anybody know what the law of Christ is? Bonus points if you do. Sorry. It is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your neighbor, I heard Cornelius, did you say it? I heard you up there. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is the law of Christ. So if you want to fulfill that law, that law of love, then this is what you are to do. He says, bear one another's burdens. And that's how you do that. And that's where I want to spend the majority of our time today. I am sometimes, Colin and I were talking about this. He's one too, so I'm calling him out. We're kind of word nerds. And so we love to like look at a word and, and study. And are you clapping up there, Kyle? Did I hear you do that? Um, and you, you take a word, because these words are so important. And it's so interesting. When you translate things in scripture, there are often um, many Greek words that we translate into one single English word. Love is actually one of those words, because of course in Greek there's agape and eros and philos and all of that. Um, And so the same is true of the word burden. And the word burden is used twice in this particular passage in Galatians. I think the most of the time when we hear the word burden, we think of this particular Greek word, and it is fortion. And that's how you say it. It's your big Greek word for the day. See, so cover it up. You pretend you read Greek. Fortion. That's actually what it says. It looks like fortune. 
portion, portion, but it's fortian, is how you say it. And it is a word that just simply means um, to carry something. It isn't equated with weight. It's not necessarily something that is particularly heavy. It is just something that, um, that we carry to be born. Now, every person, according to Galatians 6.5, this is where this word shows up, every person shall bear their own burdens. And this is what it says. And it's that reminder that all of us have things in life that we carry. We all have certain responsibilities that are unique to us and to our situation. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because as human beings, we need to be responsible for things. When a person has no responsibility, when everything is done for that person, what kind of person are they? They're not usually a very generous and nice and loving person because we need that. We need a bit of responsibility in our life. And so we have these things. Um, And they're not always easy things that we carry, uh, but they are a part of our day-to-day life. And we most of the time when these things are evenly distributed in our life, these different burdens, these fortions, there's something that we can carry and are able to carry. But then sometimes what happens in our life is we get burden upon burden upon burden and it begins to become unbalanced and it begins to become more than we know what to do with. And we get a little overwhelmed. Have you ever had, I mean, I guess we've all had those times in our life. Maybe you're in that space now. And it is just um, overwhelming. There's a little video we have about that that speaks somewhat to what happens when the burdens surround us. So all of us have these things, these burdens that we carry in our life. But sometimes I think we, um, we get in those places where because, like the scripture says, that every person should carry their burdens, that we feel like that, that maybe we have to do it all alone, all the time. And, and that kind of is reinforced in us again and again and again. And so we can become really bad at times about sharing with the people around us uh, what we're really dealing with. And so for me, here is where the scripture, the word nerd in me comes out, where it gets really interesting. There's another word in this passage, the one that was in 6.2. Remember 6.2 said, if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, then bear one another's burdens. This is a completely different word that is in that sentence than fortion. Instead, this word is baros. Now baros is a different kind of understanding. It is this crushing weight. It bears down on us. It is heavy. It is more than one person can carry by themselves. And this is why I believe that Paul instructs the church to model what it means to love by recognizing baros in people's lives. And by recognizing our need at times not only to have people come alongside us and help us to carry these burdens, but also the importance as the community of faith for us to help one another carry them. Now, if you ever read the history of the early church, then you know in Acts 4, it talks about, it gives a little snapshot of what that church looked like. Listen again. The whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. 
And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And that's the description of the early church. It's actually really hard for us to imagine, probably seems as hard for us as it did for the people of that day. They were of one heart and mind. We can't even gather five of us together and have, you know, not non-opinions. I mean, we really just do. It's hard to be of one heart and one mind. And then it, it says that no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. Everything they had was held in common. That really kind of almost goes against our grain. I remember as a kid, I tried to enact that with my older sister's clothes, um, that they were common property. That did not work out super well for me. Um, my sister did not agree that we should share the clothes that she bought with her own money. And, um, you know, we have a hard time sometimes thinking about that, about what that could look like to really share the things that we have. And, and we do have a tendency as a whole, as people, especially in this country, we have far more than we need. And yet there's just something driving us all the time for more and more. And so we're not always good with this idea. And so there wasn't a needy person among them, it said, because they shared everything that they had. You know, in my lifetime, I've never seen that reality anywhere. There are always people in need around. And I have often wondered, though I don't know that I've taken the steps always to do anything about it, what it might look like for that to be different. And so this embodies the advice that Paul is giving, that we are to come together to notice the burdens of the people around us and to help to bear those burdens because that's what it means to be a church. When people are staggering, we hold them up. And then when people are straining, we help bear that burden. When they're struggling, we notice and we come alongside them in that place. This is one of the primary things we are to be about as the community of faith. I read a story recently about a guy named Larry Lameau, and he was an Olympian in the 1998 Olympics, he was um, in the sailing competition, an an individual sail, and you had to do five races. And he had completed four of the races that were required, and he was in the final race, and he was currently in second place. So he was pretty confident with the finish line in sight that he was going to win the silver. And this was a great victory because years and years and years of training had gone into this. And, And as he was getting close to the finish line, he looked over and he saw in a different race on that same body of water that a boat had capsized near him. And there were two two men from Singapore who were injured and in the water and he had to make a decision. He was the nearest boat to them and it would be a bit before someone could circle around and get them. And so he left the course and he went and he rescued the two men and he helped to get them help. And then he got back on his course and instead of coming in second, he actually came in 22nd that day. He gave up all that he had been working towards in that moment because what mattered more was he saw these two men. They were in a baros kind of moment. 
The weight of what they were in was more than they could bear. They could not stand under it. They could not live under it. Now, would someone else have come had he not gone? Maybe. It might not have changed the outcome for them. They may have still gotten help, but it would have changed something in him to have seen his brothers in need and to have completely ignored them in favor of his own agenda. And so later on, they awarded him a special award, the Olympic Committee did, for just recognizing the sportsmanship of that moment, but also kind of the heroic effort in that. Maybe Paul instructs us to carry one another's burdens and then puts it right next to that last piece about don't be so preoccupied with yourself because it's really hard to take care of our brothers and sisters if we're only focused on ourselves. And it's easy to get in that space. It's easy to get in a place where we only see what's going on in our world. When Fletcher was praying, he talked about how um, sometimes we only see our stuff and we don't even see the people around us, the people who are struggling, the people who are under a weight that they can't bear alone and who need our help. But that is what we are called to do as people of faith is to kind of break out of our own self and to see one another, to be community. Henri Nouwen uh, was teaching at Notre Dame and he had a professor there and the professor told him this story about his life and he said, you know, Henri, my whole life I've been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted. I have a needy student or an intrusive colleague or the phone would ring or I'd get a letter from the dean that needed a response and it never failed. Just as I sat down to get my own stuff done, an interruption would come and I always complained and it always made me angry and I would get frustrated in that moment that I'd been interrupted. But then one day I realized those interruptions were my life. They were my life and so it goes with us. So often when we're finally getting focused, what happens? If we have kids, a kid needs something or a new assignment comes up or something changes and we got to go deal with that or there's a flat tire or a light bulb burns out or the AC goes out or whatever happens and it just interrupts and interrupts or a friend calls and that friend needs you and you have to leave everything and go and help that friend and pretty soon you notice that your whole life is a series of interruptions and maybe that's the gospel. Maybe that's how it's supposed to be. Maybe because it gets us out of being so focused on ourselves and focuses us on one another. There are times and spaces that we are just called to leave what we are doing and to be present for another and there are times when we're not. And so part of what scripture also advises us is is having that spirit within us so we can discern what is ours to help carry and where are those places where we're not supposed to do that, where that is something that that person has to work through. But at the very least, we can be the presence of Christ with people wherever they find themselves. Henri Nouwen also said this, he said, the opposite of compassion is competition. And so we're not called to be in that space as Christians just competing with one another. We're called when one succeeds, we all succeed. We're called to make sure we all get where we need to be. So this week, on Thursday, uh, when Rachel 
when Rachel first had the aneurysm, she was taken to the hospital, and what I noticed in that day and in the days that followed, and I found it perhaps one of the greatest examples of what it means to be Christian community. She was in a Baros moment. Her family were in a Baros moment, and in that moment, people dropped everything. Nothing else mattered except being there and helping them through that. And people came to the hospital and prayed with them and people showed up at the house and sat with them and and these last couple of days like they have more food than I have ever seen in my life and and it is as I told Kate like this is this is going to be one of the hardest times and it's also going to be really beautiful in a way because you aren't in this alone and you have people who love you who will help you through this because that is what we do. And some of you have been in those spaces where the hole was so dark, you didn't know how you would ever get out, where the weight was so heavy upon you that you thought you might succumb to it. And someone at that moment showed up in small ways, in really big ways, in beautiful ways, and you felt truly loved by Christ in that moment. And that is what it means to carry one another's burdens, to really be the presence of Christ. I want to close today with a scripture from 1 John. It says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does does God's love abide in anybody who has the world's good and sees a brother and sister in need and refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.